0: Hey, Jay.
1: Hey, Tyler.
2: Hey, guys.
0: Oh, oh whoa. Whoa. Hey. Did you leave the door me. open again? I did, and it's our friend Laura Bentley. Hey, Laura. Hey everyone. Hi,
1: Bentley. Uh, all
0: right, so let's get to know our, our friend Bentley a little bit. So, Bentley, first, uh, we need to know three things about you. What's your Myers-Briggs, what's your Enneagram, and what's your Hogwarts house?
2: Ooh, one of those three is hard. I'm going to start Ooh. with the two. Hogwarts house, I, I have trouble with. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I've taken quizzes a few times, yeah. but uh, oh. Enneagram is 7,
3: yep. and ah.
2: I wing a bit 6, Ooh. which is a weird combo, but 7s that wing 8, it's a lot of intensity, and I'm <laughs> not quite that intense. Tell us what I'm you know about chill. the 7.
0: How do you identify the 7? Um... I was like, how people understand their it. Own yeah. So, like,
2: it's in the fear triad, yeah. and um, which means that the way I—that's
0: the name for the band, by the way. Fear triad. The fear fear triad. triad. Oh yeah. boy, that's that is name. good. Our new band is coming out soon. <laughs> the fear triad. We're a trio that plays power punk. Love it. <laughs>
2: But yeah, so how sevens generally deal deal with any feelings of fear um, is to run away from them and do something more fun. Nice. And uh, that (laughs) is generally my disposition in a lot of life, for better or worse. Um, And sevens tend to be fairly creative, are very much into enjoying moments that they're in. Uh, There's a lot of high energy until you crash, um, which I have... Lived into most of my life. I'm very bad at focusing on one area, um, as I told you guys, longtime listener to this podcast. <laughs> but I when, I was so nervous to come on because of the depth that you go into. I'm like, I have never stayed focused enough on a topic <laughs> to know Clearly this many names or <laughs> songs or what like ever. And I so say, I hop I'm around sure a lot. I'm not sure if you
0: have listened to the podcast. <laughs> if you feel like we've stayed focused on a, a part of
1: Someday, someday, the the episode that just came out. The theology of napping. Oh yeah. Someday we're going to release the uncut version. Oh yeah,
0: that episode. <laughs> so I think it's just over an hour, but the full recorded version of it is an hour and fifty minutes. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> so, anyway, and sevens yeah. are the thrill seekers, right? Yeah. So like so y- the, you guys um, are the you'll you'll do base jumping and, and yeah. bungees and yeah. stuff like so that. Like,
2: yeah. So like adrenaline is a big yeah. part of being a seven, and uh um, sevens are great. Uh, gluttony in is the thing. Yeah. Gluttony you, is like the cardinal sin or whatever of sevens where it's just you want more and more experiences more and more stuff more and more mostly collecting experiences and relationships yeah
1: as as a church planter do you think that's part of the equation that like the thrill seeking of oh boy i don't know what i'm doing let's do it anyway yeah. yeah
2: yeah and like that's i get fairly bored easily and so it's helpful like i was a youth pastor and then i went into church planting like i kind of fall into the stereotype of a seven i've since seminary, not had a job that I didn't make up. Um, oh, nice! So <laughs> I, seven, I haven't, I haven't done a job application for a very long time. But you've
0: had, you've had jobs. Yeah. So that's the. They're best just things. completely like, made yeah. up. You're just like, hey, give me a job. What job? <laughs> this one that I'm telling you about right now.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, it somehow worked out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you pay
1: um, me to do this that so I want to. do I have yeah.
2: noticed that I tend to get surrounded by twos that are trying really hard to help me out because, like, yeah. they're worried for me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: So tell us a, a little bit about um, what, it, especially for those who don't understand, what's a church planner? W- oh, especially yeah. for you because I think it's a little hmm. bit different for, that's like saying what's a musician that could be many things like. yeah
2: and it's a weird phrase if you're not in that world like yeah. you plant a church and even if you're in grow. the church world it's yeah.
0: still, a it's weird still phrase. yeah yeah.
2: Um, yeah so it is basically starting up a new church community what that has looked like and still looks like in a lot of places is if you build it they will come type of stuff yeah I'm not in that realm that way of doing it at all um so what I've been up to is more cultivating some relationships, mostly with people that are kind of on the fringes of church, um, as we typically call the nuns and duns Ooh, yeah. out of Pew researches stuff. Um, and yeah, it's figuring out kind of new ways to form church community, because there are a lot of people that are craving community, craving relationship with God and one another and the way that we're doing church does not work for everyone. And to be honest, the way that we tend to do church in the mainline denomination Uh, Is very white and very suburban, and so like figuring out. I hadn't noticed that
1: in St. Clair.
0: So what? What's the end game then? When? When is the church? When has the church been planted? When you look like this and you have a brick building, like what? What is your goal? (laughs) And also, Um, what separates? Like, why do it within a denomination? What separates you from the non-denoms that can all of a sudden have a thousand-member church in five years?
2: Yeah. Um. So I honestly, the main goal is. To create a community that is sustainable and looks like the context that you're in—that's my goal, at least—and it might not last forever. That's one of the things that I think is fairly different with um, church planting, at least in like the way that I've been formed in it through like the thousand and one movement that's part of the PCUSA, usa my denomination is like this may last for seven years it may last for three years it may last for a hundred like but we're not going to build a building and put uh like
0: so what the gold those
2: stamps call it with like the date on them oh the yeah
0: the, <laughs> like the, 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 the keystone date. Date. yeah whatever. that's what i was thinking.
2: um which some places still do the building thing i know i've been pretty committed to not having um a place that we said oh first off we have no money to do that but also um like i i think that it's good to have the agility to partner with other places that we are kind of forced into really unique relationships with business owners and with nonprofits and that sort of thing and your um,
0: church is called sanctuary, sanctuary. and yeah. you and what do you call yourself not a church you call it, not that you're like anti-church but like
2: yeah we haven't found good language we use faith community which i'm still a little torn on because we have had the misunderstanding of being more unitarian universalist Mm -hmm. and we're definitely rooted in christian tradition and i don't like like we've been trying to figure out for a long time how do we make this something that we're never doing a bait and switch on people um but as soon as we say church there's a lot of imagery that comes with that and honestly for most of the people i'm around It's either thinking of Catholicism or it's thinking of Jerry Falwell. Neither of which is super helpful for describing what we're doing. Um, So, yeah, I usually end up having to go through a five-minute kind of description.
1: That's always a
0: tricky thing of uh, when to replace language and when to redeem language. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when we throw out language that has baggage, we become unclear because all of our... we use other word like using uh, faith community instead of church, or using. I mean, especially within the church, there's a lot of. Uh, we
1: even like the idea of denomination, like that. Right. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? You yeah.
2: Know, uh, yeah, and you asked this question with like being within the denomination. One of the things that's actually been fairly helpful is being able to point to something bigger yeah. and mm-hmm. say, "This is what we're a part of," and part of the reason, like. I got ordained Peace USA minister. Like, I want the accountability and I want there to be a broader community than just me forming something with a group of people and we just get to do our own thing. Yeah. Um, There's something really good about reforming within. So, my family. Grew up kind of tangential to church. Like, I was kind of more Christmas, Easter. My grandma went every week. I went with her some. So, I got into church through youth group, which is almost, at least where I was from in a small town, looked way more evangelical than the rest of the church. So, I would say my beliefs were a lot closer to like. Issues wrestling with whether I should go into ministry because I was a woman. And oh those my! Okay. Type of things. I think that's why. I thought and, you But were that PCA. came out yeah. of much more the culture of like working at a summer camp that I worked at and the culture of youth group. Yeah. Than it did the actual denomination I was in. Okay. Which the church youth group that I went to the most in like high school is now I believe EPC. They left okay. USA, and they were a bit more conservative. Yeah. But yeah, the loudest Christians also tend to be the ones that have the narrowest view as to who serves yeah that's i I found that that
0: is kind of the case in all spheres is that the loudest ones are the ones who are most sure that they are right yeah and that is often the people that you want to listen to the least Mm -hmm. like especially like even if you think of like a professor who knows their stuff they still are willing to say but i don't know everything yeah, and we're still learning new stuff, and there's still more to learn. And those are really interesting people, but the the people who are, whether it's politics or religion or feelings on the band Weezer, the people who are <laughs> who are most certain about that their view is the correct view, yeah. mm-hmm. tend to be the loudest. And the people who are who have open minds, it's I mean, it's not a big great soundbite to stand up and be like, I don't really know what we should think right. on this, and probably we should think about it more.
2: I feel as if I came out of a family that's much more open-minded than I where I landed in like early college in my theology, and part of that was that I started, you know, going to youth groups up for the pizza and the ski retreats and that sort of thing, yeah. and I then started taking wanting to take my faith seriously, putting the quotes around that and like make it my own. As, yeah, as it was always said. <laughs> and I don't know how many times I gave my life to Christ at like ski retreats oh, after man. that. But that like, that was yeah. But there, you weren't a
0: good youth group kid if you didn't get saved ten times. At least but there was something
2: yeah. like in not having like I didn't have family devotions and prayer and stuff like that as a part of my life. And so what I knew and was shaped by more than anything was my youth pastor's reading of scripture, which guys talked about inerrancy before and that's kind of where we were yeah at, at that point yeah. and so like i converted to that and there's nothing more zealous <laughs> than yeah. a like youth convert to oh, something man. Oh, and man. so i took that, it very seriously yeah you got
0: that youthful <laughs> exuberance yeah. and again especially like when you are uh, like past the age of 12 you have your own opinions and you want people to hear them and so when you're firm mm-hmm. about something yeah. you are real firm about stuff yeah.
2: but i had this weird thing too of um like having this social justice streak that doesn't usually go along mm-hmm. with that evangelicalism and you've always that had like, that yeah i oh, mean nice. so i also i had this your one on politics and looking back like i was younger than you guys whenever 911 happened i'm still younger than you true. when 911 happened <laughs> i was in 8th grade yeah. and so like when the war with rock started i had made black armbands with peace signs for like to hand out at yeah. school like oh, that man. was kind of like the track i was on yeah from middle school on and I honestly don't quite know how that happened. Like I think that was a little bit more some members of my family than like the faith stuff but it was also I I read my Bible as a kid and yeah. I actually really took Jesus seriously and hmm. he seemed passionate about
0: if you you know, put the, what we
2: now call social justice. Yeah
0: well and especially if you put if you start reading the Bible as a kid and take it seriously and I give it the freedom to actually read it instead of just someone saying Read it, but don't actually think about it. Here's here's what it says. Come back to me and I will tell you what you just read. Like that if you are given the freedom to read it, you're going to see social justice like leaking out of these pages. It's so Mm -hmm. saturated in justice. So what's your Uh, Myers-Briggs?
2: Myers-Briggs, ENFP.
0: Oh, so close.
1: We did it. I'm INFP. Oh, yeah. Well, we're on the border. Sometimes
2: the – which one switches? The uh, P and J have switched, but I've pretty much always landed on P. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: We are uh, INFP, ENFPs. I've become more of an I as I've gotten older. Yeah. I think as I get more tired, I really appreciate the I.
1: I, That's one of those things I'm curious if knowledge changed the outcome. Because when I discovered I was an I.
0: Then you got more E?
1: No, then I got more I. I was like, oh, that all makes sense. I'm going to live into that more. Yeah. But Laura, we do want to bring it back to you. So how... How did you come to meet me? Oh, you... Are, <laughs> <laughs> I really want to hear my own story.
2: So this is how I remember it. Um, actually, I might have... I'm going to back up because even... It was probably around whenever I was like... 14 ish in middle school, but you were in a band. Oh boy. This is actually how I think I first knew who you were.
1: I'm going to leave for a little bit. This makes me so happy.
2: Oh my gosh, what band were you in? Were you in Ebenezer Stone? I sure was. I had one of your t shirts at one point. (laughs) True fact. This sounds (laughs) like such a setup conversation. Are you the guy from Ebenezer Stone? Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was one you were in. So there is. I. (laughs) I was a zealous convert as a middle schooler and went to three different churches and Mm -hmm. their various youth things. And one of them did a like Friday night concert series. I can't remember how often it was, but
1: every five minutes it felt like.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, Called Lighthouse. And my friends and I thought we were super cool going to this because it was like the Christian music scene of (laughs) Indiana, PA.
1: (laughs) And and no band was hotter in the Christian music scene in Indiana, PA than. Ebenezer, <laughs> Stone. Ebenezer Stone. Yes.
2: Um. But yeah. So I think that's why I knew who you were was going to that stuff. But I played drums like for a short time in band. But then I wanted to learn how to play drum set. And there there's some friends of mine that were also starting bands, and, and I thought were, it'd be you were fun. The,
0: the drummer and in he was the drummer. No.
2: And I cannot remember how I ended up thinking that. Jay giving me drum lessons was a thing that should happen. If that was a conversation or if you were offering them, I have no idea. (laughs) Like I
1: it it could have gone either way. I was a poor college student, so I'm sure I was looking for money, and it could also have been Kurt who controls the fuel rods of everybody. So this
0: is why you're at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So Jay was in college at the time. (laughs) Go Hoosiers. Go Hoosiers. (laughs) (laughs) So uh yeah, so Jay gave me some drum lessons before I tried out for a band because as a seven i sped up tempo a lot yes (laughs) and it was not ideal (laughs) (laughs) so
3: i love that as a drum as
0: as a drummer everybody follow me (laughs) i know the way
2: it never got that much better like jay helped some but i still like usually say no to worship bands because i'm like i'm going to run you into the ground like it won't be good for anyone (laughs) um but yeah so Mm. i've known jay since then yeah
1: that was super weird meeting you at seminary again and being yeah. like, wait, what? You're, uh, uh, it was one of those like worlds colliding.
0: So how many bands have you been in that, oh, that you were, that you were actually in? Not like we were a band for two months, but we never actually did anything.
1: I had one sort of serious high school band, Ebenezer Stone. Then this gets tricky. Wait, Ebenezer Stone is your high school band? No, Ebenezer Stone was college. What was your high school band called? Colorblind Chameleons. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Color, <laughs> color, color, color,
1: colorblind chameleons. And then I left Ebenezer Stone. Oh. Break up? Uh yeah. Ooh. More more just like college was ending and we were all going yeah. like getting jobs and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um and I played They were like, You
0: have too many drums and you're like, No, I don't have enough drums. That's so true. Yeah. My <laughs> drum set had its own
1: zip code. Nice. Uh and then I played do you remember I played in a band called the Vickers? Oh, Hot I remember the Minute. Vickers. Yeah. 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 Great ska band.
2: Um, oh. <laughs> That's no, why no. you should do I've an never, episode on ska. Oh
1: man. <laughs> That was fun. I didn't play with them for long. Was it a Christian Scott band? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But played bars. Yeah. So like that kind of Christian. Okay. Uh, and then. Bar Christian. I got real tired. Ty- that, that band, the Vickers, was like the most serious band I was ever was in. Was that
0: fun playing in a Scott band as a drummer? Because
1: you're kind of doing the same thing all the time, right? Well, yes. But it's a, it's a neat beat. But it you're is. Do, you're doing it all the it's time. It's the exact same thing every time. <laughs> um, And then we were playing so many shows. We were playing like three, four nights a week. Yeah that I got like tendonitis from drumming. That wow. really, I,
0: I think Scott really tests the rhythm and consistency of a drummer. Yeah. Cause it's basically you're, you have to be a drum machine. Essentially. Yeah. 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 And it, no, everything gets screwed up because everybody else is like, that, that,
1: that, like it's they're all just like
0: real but then it's all drum.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So then, and this is where you don't, I don't know how to count this, but Ebenezer Stone got back together <gasps> with a new drummer and me playing guitar whoa! and we called ourselves everyday Giants. you so, call yourself genesis no, <laughs> no <okay. laughs> we were everyday Giants. so i don't know if that's two bands or one band it was essentially well, it the same band a different name yeah and i don't think we played any of the same stuff like everyday giant i don't think I ever played ebenezer stone stuff i remember but that was it that was really the last serious band i was in and what about tree anthem ah tree anthem yes tree anthem i forgot about them yeah i didn't that's the first thing i knew you from i blocked them from my memory (laughs) (laughs) that's not true i was thinking about them yes it was carl's birthday yesterday
0: yeah because you were the singer and songwriter in Mm -hmm. that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and guitarist (laughs) guitarist is that the band what's the band that played it alive
1: that was tree anthem oh nice yeah
0: what kind of music did tree anthem play I should have known because
1: you played a conference, but I didn't go. For if that night. if if Jimmy World tried to be a worship band, <laughs> okay, that would be true. They'd be called yes. Tree Anthem. Yeah, not quite punk, not quite rock. Yeah, but like Proc. heavier Proc? something. Yeah, or runk, runk. We'll go with runk. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna make up genres. What? Uh, um, how did you come up with the name Tree Literally, Literally, uh, we we had a bunch of names that we would find out somebody else had taken or were close to taken. Yeah. So our bass player Carl sat down one day and just wrote down tons of creative words together. Oh nice. Mm -hmm. And tree anthem was one of them and we hit it and we were like yeah that. It's a good
2: name.
0: Yeah it is. It it feels like it means something. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Right. It means absolutely nothing. People always come up to us be like that's so spiritual. We'd be like
2: okay. There are a lot of trees in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, It it sounds
0: very Tolkien-esque. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the same. That process that by which you came up with the name was the same process would, by which I came up with a screen name for AOL. Oh yeah, just wrote down a bunch of names and I ended up on Ewok Implosion. <laughs> it's my favorite uh, thing, and it was my screen name for a lot of things mm. until I realized Tyler Domsky was also very unique and I could just use that. Yeah, uh,
2: that's gonna be that's a good icebreaker question, like It'll intro question and screen AIM? names. AIM?
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh,
2: uh, mine ended up being so I wanted Music Makes Me Happy, which was on. Dave Matthews Band t-shirts Yeah, <laughs> um, That was taken So I ended up with DMB makes me smile Oh,
3: nice. And my
2: now husband Hates Dave Matthews Band Which, oh. was our f- which is our first oh, And continued oh, 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 oh. fight But uh, we'll have He was really you... concerned Because we IM'd Back at like <laughs> The beginning of college And was like Oh god DMB makes me Did smile it, I
1: haven't listened to the The napping no, episode it's not in there It's at all. not in there
0: We'll have Dang. to send you The 15 minute conversation <laughs> About Dave Matthews Band <laughs> It's basically a mini Weezer episode But all about Dave Matthews Band Yeah uh it's it's pretty intense yeah it, it it's uh the <laughs> i'm hard floor. in the dave matthew's corner <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> i Sweeney. really was and then all of a sudden i was not like it was just it, it, it just went away uh yeah so ewok implosion was my main one before that it was gamera 311 wow which band did i like
1: <laughs> yeah uh
0: but gamera was the name of a, a japanese uh like kaiju monster that was on a uh, episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000.
1: That's super nerdy.
0: Yeah, it wow. really was. But then it looked like Gamer. And yeah. Like I had it actually as my license plate for a while. was Gamera because I had a green car. Because Gamera was a giant turtle. Okay. And like a Godzilla turtle. Um, and uh, so my my license plate was Gamera. And it's G-A-M-E-R-A. And so people were like, hey, you're a big gamer? And I was like, what are you talking about? No. No. It's Gamera. Everybody should know that. But nobody knows that. So I don't know why I thought that that was clever.
1: Mine was the... Incredibly embarrassing. Cool one. Oh. cool spelled. K-E-W-L. Nice. O N E. Yeah.
0: I can't believe you got cool one. I can't, I can't believe that was available. I
1: can't believe I survived high school. <laughs> that was rough.
0: So uh and last but not least, Hogwarts
2: House. So I think Ravenclaw. Yes. That's why I've gone the most often. Um Hufflepuff has come up and I just don't think I'm actually that nice. Like I'm not convinced. <laughs> like Yeah. I, I think you, I fooled you, the quiz. How
0: do you identify? Do you identify Ravenclaw? I would uh, see you as a If I had Gryffindor. to choose
2: one, yeah, I would say either Gryffindor, but I'm less arrogant than a lot of the Gryffindor I. Like yeah, but
0: neither is Hermione. I, Hermione's not
2: Yeah, here. but Hermione's kind of the, like, Ravenclaw within Gry- Gryffindor, yeah, so, true. yeah. Hermione and Emma Watson are pretty much my yeah. all-time your, icons. Your so. spirit
1: animals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so your Patronus would be Emma Watson. Yes. <laughs> Emma Watson shot a movie in Pittsburgh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah, yeah, she did. And they filmed a scene right down the street from my house. Wow. So, like, for a whole night, Emma Watson was at the Kings down, like, one block away from me. Crazy. I didn't her, do anything about it, but I was her, just really excited that she was close by.
0: Her non-British accent in that movie is really not terrible. <laughs> surprising like it's not good like she it's like one of those like when British people do American accents sometimes you get like a Kate Winslet and you're like oh she's British what yeah but then every once in a while or more often than not you'll get Emma Watson's where you can tell she's not American yeah but after 10 minutes you forget that she's Hermione yeah it's it's the the flip of Johnny Depp's British accent where you know he's (laughs) this is not the way a normal person would talk but after a little bit you just accept like oh
2: that's
0: I bought how in. a human yeah. would talk. I bought in. Yeah. Oh, what would your Patronus be? So, Ooh. yeah.
2: Ooh. So that has to be some form of an animal.
0: I mean, maybe. I
2: it mean, could like be whatever. They, they don't
0: all have to be animals, do they? I don't think so. Yeah.
2: I think that's kind of the thing. I mean, you could extend it, I'm sure. I, don't know.
0: I always said my Patronus was a plate mm-hmm. of spaghetti. <laughs>
2: what? Mine would probably either be... I want to be a platypus. If I'm being oh, honest, yeah, that's a, like, yeah. So platypi they're, have, have foot they're spurs. stealthy. They too. have poison yeah. foot spurs. Yeah. you know about that? Oh, they're um, so, so crazy. Just when, when you think
0: platypus is blowing your mind enough, another thing happens.
2: I I don't think I have all of them memorized anymore. But when I was a camp counselor, I had uh, for every day of two week session, so 14 platypi fun facts for my campers. <laughs> wow. That yeah. The thing is though, only the males have the spur. Oh. but don't worry females have like an extra set of like ovum it's very very nice. weird nice they have a mouth under that uh, don't They'll, all females those. have an
0: extra set of ovum compared to males yeah i was gonna say <laughs> you
1: know, i don't
2: want to Compared get, to other mammals oh, okay, okay. <laughs> other wanna female into, mammals i don't yeah. want to get
1: into a biology lecture <laughs> like here or anything but i feel like my patronus is a death eater A Death Eater, oh my. I heard somebody say that once. I was like, that's the most baller thing I've ever heard in my (laughs) life.
0: My Patronus is me putting a Patronus out. I'm just pointing back at me. (laughs) It's just more. (laughs) Like, we just
1: create Patroni.
0: (laughs) So, I'm Jay. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Laura. And this This is Roughing Roughing the the Pastor. Pastor. If you don't count John Calvin from last week. Yeah. Uh, And I don't. (laughs) Oh, I do. I
3: count the (laughs) Mizu.
0: All right, John Calvin, we're not talking to you today. Today we're doing something that's semi-relevant in the news and uh, uh, less so because you'll hear this about two weeks later, but it'll still be connected to, it'll still be going on. It's going Mm -hmm. on through June 7th or July 7th, and this is still going on, is the World Cup. Hey. I love the World Cup. Thank you for
2: just calling it the World Cup. Yeah, for real. It is the
0: World Cup. I love the World Cup. It's just like the Olympics. Like there's Winter Olympics and Summer Olympics, but it's always the Olympics. Yes. And this one, although the the Olympics are, are less segregated by gender. I guess they are per. I was going to say per yeah. event. They are. Yeah, but they but not, happen at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. right. there's not the, the women's Olympics and the men's Olympics. Right. Um. So the World Cup's going on. I love the World Cup. Uh. I am a. Uh. My I have struggled, not struggled. It has been a challenge for me, uh, to become a fan of hockey and a fan of soccer. Yes. Both are things that I did not grow up with, and both I, I put them in similar categories of. There are things that I want to be fans of, and the people who I know—I have many friends who are who are uh, vehement fans of both. Um, but I have struggled to become a hockey fan. That's and a shame, I, I, and I, and I still want to. So it's not for lack of desire. It's just it's. Uh, I think the part of what has helped me with soccer is that soccer does have these cycles of World Cups that I can. That is
2: why it is. For me, the yeah. best. I'm. I am bad at being a fan. Yeah,
0: I can be intensely period. into something yeah. for one month. Right. Like that. And, and one even, month every four years. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. And that's and the nice thing about it being, um, uh, the the one good thing about the two separate World Cups is that you get a World Cup every two or three years. Two years, is it? Yeah. Something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, two, so yeah. It's like the Olympics now, but I love the Olympics. And the Olympics go on for a month or uh, five weeks or something like that. And it's almost a little too long. But it's also long enough that I can be into it for two weeks and then kind of forget about it for a week and then be like, oh, I need to get back in.
1: And that's but before we leave hockey for just too long, yeah, can, yeah, can yeah. we at some point have Ed on the podcast so that he can talk I about hockey? Oh yeah, just, he would come.
2: Yeah. Hockey and beer would yeah. be the ones we can do that. Yeah, not yeah. to stereotype my husband too much, and affordable housing. If you want to talk about that too, he's, every time like
1: we <laughs> hang in out it. in a situation where I'm with your husband, and like it's always at like the end of the party that I'm like, oh shoot, you're way into hockey. He needs an outlet
2: because I'm like cool <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, i just yeah yeah i'll watch a little what bit was, what was it i'm bad at being a fan
0: how did ed c- come into the world what's his <laughs> <laughs> i singing? don't i do yeah. not know his birth story that's yeah, not we, a thing
2: i ever we don't need to go back that know. far
0: but what's what's where did he grow up where's he from
2: he's from bellevue so he's from like inner suburb of pittsburgh yeah he is native Pittsburgher, yeah so and, close
0: that many would consider it not a suburb right i but mean like he he bust
2: into concerts at club Laga, which yeah. was in hey, oakland oh. like i kind of where all the colleges are and stuff like it's such a different experience than what i had growing yeah. up in a small town he had much more of a city
0: and just to be youth. clear this is not ed Sutter we're talking about no. who is, most this is my husband his, yeah.
2: yeah, who is ed nooser yeah we're we're what my grandma called modern with our not last names not being the same. <laughs>
1: hippies <laughs> anyway i didn't mean to take us on that hockey. No, no 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 that's good that's not true i did mean to take us oh on that's hockey. great it, yeah, well and Andrew. again
0: i do want to reiterate as much as i i feign disinterest in hockey i am incredibly interested in it i just am unfamiliar with it right and so i want to be part of it but also sometimes people's passion far exceeds their ability to walk me through it yeah it's like when i uh so my college experience was done before um Xbox and Halo. Wow. But, but only by like a year. Yeah. And so I did not play Halo at all in college because it just wasn't out yet. It came out like the next year. And so when I I had to learn Halo after everyone was already fluent in it. And every time I've had somebody try to you know this is not really a thing anymore, but every time I've had someone try to teach me Halo, I am you can't be an expert at Halo. And walk a beginner into it, yeah, right. Without like, you only have about two minutes of the inability to just kill somebody. It's <laughs> <And laughs> so, like I've had many people be like, here's how you do it, and I'm walking around like pointing down at the ground or pointing at the sky because I don't know how to use two joysticks at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm all about the N64, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, but then they'll just come up behind me and it's like, here's, and then someone can, can just come up and do this, to you, and like, and then I just end up getting killed by everybody, right? And that's how it feels like with hockey sometimes, where my utter. Uh, lack of knowledge of it is so overwhelming that people can only walk, hold my hand so long before they're just like, you know what, you're here. I just got to keep going. You so. should,
2: you should hang out with Ed sometime because he played hockey. Yeah, and so his, you, which you'd think would be like worse, but I feel as if having your passion be for the play of the sport yeah. and actually doing it, he has so much more patience and like, I, my, I started liking hockey mostly because Ed. Like, actually, told me what was going on with the game and things like that. I still think there are way too many games. But, like, yeah, Jay yeah. Little Iroh. But, um, but, like, I think that there's something, too, whenever your fandom is watching the yes. sport, that you're not going to have quite as much tolerance whenever it's for the sport itself.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so, which but,
2: some people, it's for bo- both, for yeah, sure. But. Yeah.
0: And so, the, the my experience with soccer was very similar. I um, played soccer when I was a kid. But the place that I grew up in, Washington, Iowa, only had soccer until third grade huh. because it huh. was the 1980s and soccer was not a thing that had trans, that had moved in from the coasts yet. And so, <laughs> uh, and it really, I mean, like there weren't clubs or anything like that. Like it wasn't a sport. And even slowly, like by the time I went to high school, it was a sport, but barely. Like yeah. it had been a sport for like four years or something like that. They didn't have a girls team. So the, the one girl who played soccer in our high school played on the boys team. Nice. And she was really good. Um, but that... So I had wanted to play, but there was just nowhere to play past the age of what ten, eight, nine, something like that. Uh, and so um, I have had to relearn it. And I like picked a team in the Premier League, just like arbitrarily, and picked Liverpool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and was very excited. Uh, and I followed them for a couple seasons. Did not follow them this year, and they just won the. the <laughs> Maybe the whole, that was the magic—is yeah, to make sure you weren't watching. But the first year I followed them, when they actually they had not been great for a while, and they were then really good for at least that season like i think they lost to chelsea
1: mm.
0: in the finals or whatever it's called <laughs>
1: so i still <laughs> whatever it's go- has yeah. anyway
0: it's still kind of walking up on the edge against my knowledge of this but all of it so world cup is very exciting i'm very excited about this uh very excited about uh, women's world cup is even more exciting as an american because we have a team we are really good <laughs> yes and the, yeah. the not just a little bit no we are dominatingly good yes and the um, the men's team is like disappointingly bad in a way that is um, like it's it's dumb to be arrogant and jingoistic about America. But this is a situation where we have no excuse for how bad our team yeah. is. Mm-hmm. How,
1: how do we have that bad of a men's team when literally every child in this church plays soccer oh, yeah. on a rec? Like More
0: how, kids play soccer than any other sport, yeah. I think.
1: You would think yeah. like developmentally. Yeah, Surely we could field uh, however many soccer players yeah. there are. And
0: there were great pieces after the last World Cup when the men's team didn't even make it into the Cup. Right. Yeah. Um, about how like the failure of U.S. soccer as a whole institution going back to kids. Like they just are not, we're not doing it right.
1: Which almost tees up the point because if that's your focus is on the men's team, yep. <laughs> you can completely miss the fact that the women's team.
0: They've won what, three World Cups?
1: Is lights out.
0: Yeah. So and this is coming on the heels of so we just have encountered uh, the women have only played one game so far right. <laughs> in this World Cup time so, of recording so we now no longer need to say women we'll just say uh, the American U.S. team, team. Uh, so the U.S. team has only played one game uh, and they won
1: that game thirteen <laughs> to zero. It's a bummer they missed that extra point. Yeah, they should have.
0: Yeah. They, they their first goal didn't count. It should be fourteen <laughs> to zero. Uh, and
1: I was making a football.
0: Joke. And how
2: many Alex Morgan got like? She got five of them.
0: <laughs> she would have had six because the first one was a header in, and she yeah. was she was called offsides because one foot was over, uh, like she was one one like half of a foot right. over.
1: Which offsides. I'm with you. Like I don't know soccer well. Yeah. But I know enough to know that even if those five goals alone were all mm-hmm. that the U.S. team scored, it would have been considered a blowout. Yeah, Like a yeah. five to nothing game is absurd. Yeah. The score
0: mm-hmm. in hockey and the score in soccer are pretty consistent. Yeah. Like to have a, a score where any team gets more than four is insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for a team to get 13 goals is crazy and so what the response has been that i've seen at least uh, there have been a lot on espn a lot of, especially on social media oh my goodness are people talking about how the american team are jerks because they it's inappropriate to have scored that many goals like yeah. that's that's mean to have scored that many goals and so and and like that that we're arrogant and cocky and and that's like we beat and it's Thailand and they have a team that's in the world cup. So right. that, they're not that, terrible. Alone, yeah. They're good enough. Like we lost the men got eliminated by Ghana in mm-hmm. 2010. It's not about the size of your country or the wealth of your country. I mean, that does impact it, but it's really just about the caliber of your team and any team that can make it into the world cup is good enough to be in the world cup. Right. And so Thailand is one of those teams. So, uh, and then, so a lot of the pushback and a lot of the conversation has been, uh, should they have led up at a certain point? And then people have said, well, no, because in the way that the tournament works, every goal that you Mm -hmm. like, the more goals you score, give you better advantages later because there's a lot of tiebreaker stuff. Yeah. And it's like total goals scored overall. So they could score zero goal or they could, yeah, score one goal in every other game. And it would count like these 13 would be thrown into that mix. So that will help them in ties going forward. And there definitely will be ties. Like, that's just part of it. And uh, in a normal, like in NFL or NBA or even. Uh, Major League Baseball league, you can sub out the whole team. So a lot of times in a, in a, other professional sports, um, when there's a blowout, they'll just put in all the the bench players. Right. One to give them experience. Two to kind of protect the starters so that they don't injure themselves because that's kind of the worst thing you can do during a blowout. Right. Right. Um, and it's also then kind of seen as like letting up a little bit, so to not humiliate the other team. But in soccer, you can only sub three times during right. the entire match. And if you do, if you sub more than that, then you're just down. A play, like if you have an injury, you can't bring anybody in. Like you're hmm. just mm-hmm. down. And so the rules won't even allow you to bring in your bench to replace. Like it. So right. none of this is equipped. And the, uh, I also have a friend who plays ultimate frisbee, and she has uh, she's been on uh, mixed teams that have won the world championship like in Japan or things like that not just like world championship in Indianapolis or something like that (laughs) just call it that Uh, so she's been like on the highest level of um, ultimate frisbee and her point was very much like it's actually disrespectful to not play as well as you can. Yeah. Yes. Like, and
2: that's the difference between like a rec league yes. where you're not going to be a complete jerk. Yeah. And just oh, like yeah. there are some mercy rules on that versus being in professional sports. Yeah. Like there is a difference in the way that you treat that.
0: Yeah. And especially at the highest level of right. that sport. Like this is higher than Olympic level. Like this is the, 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 the best players in the world in this sport are playing in this tournament yeah. that's going on right now. And so, um, what's getting to the point of this is that th- the responses have been very critical of this team saying that they should have let up, and this is uh, like, and then it's really brought up the fact that we don't say this to men's teams, right? So now we do need to flip back and call this the women's team because mm-hmm. this is important in this. And if you say like, oh, ho, ho, ho. yes, we do. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. Uh, I mean, like maybe people <laughs> did that when uh, the Patriots were running up against our team, but that's because the Patriots are jerks. Yeah, so no like one likes the Patriots. Yeah, and the yeah. Patriots were jerks the way they did it. Like it, there's one thing about running up a score. There's another thing about being an arrogant jerk. And I'm going to guess
2: it. Patriots fans weren't saying that. Like if Steelers did that around oh, yeah. here, yeah, no. no one would say that.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. And, and so... And the best example of that, especially on the world stage, is the 1992 Dream Team. So this Mm -hmm. is the first year in the Olympics that uh, in 1992 that the U.S. Olympic um, organization said that it used to be that only um, amateurs could be in the Olympics. And then they they said for this year, even professional people can be in the Olympics. So all of a sudden, all the NBA, NBA stars had the opportunity to be in the Olympics. And so this was the first year that all of the best American basketball players that we literally had played on this team and it was like Michael Jordan, Larry mm-hmm. Bird, Magic Johnson, John Stockton, everybody's favorite white guy. I've got uh, this poster of Chris Mullin's. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh all these people playing on this team together. Um and they won every single game by no less than 30 points. Right. They won one game by 68 points. Meaning there was they had scored 68 points. They had wow. scored like 120 uh-huh. and their, the other team had like 50. And no one at any point in that process said, look at how these guys are jerks. No, for their their
1: efforts, they were called the dream team. Yes,
0: and there were posters made for it and everyone celebrated. And people were disappointed that they didn't score more. Yeah. (laughs) Like Charles Barkley was on that team and there were several games that he only, he got less than 10. And he got less than 10 because every, like six other players scored 20. Like, and you can only have so many, there's only so much time for people to shoot basketballs in one game. And so all of that, kind of brings up this idea of like where why is that <laughs> and especially now like this is that 1992 it's it's a different world right um, that, that's it's what 27 years ago
1: that's really true
0: so yeah, th- yeah I guess the, qu- the question I put on the table for discussion uh, is why is that happening?
2: I'm gonna go go a little out there oh. and say that it might be because they're a women's team. Or at oh. least in part because the expectations on women are different than men in competition, but also, you know, across the board.
1: Yeah, because that, that's a conversation that would not happen ever. And what's silly about this conversation is I could see it if they had let up.
2: Yeah. But I, the thing is I like, could see it going the other way.
1: I think oh, yeah, yeah. I think
2: a little bit of this is that rec league versus professional distinction that right. women's sports are not Overall, considered to be real sports yeah. in our country. Yeah. That I mean, that came up whenever they were trying to get more money, when they were trying to not play on astroturf, like those different things. It it was not considered a sport in the same way that the men's, even the men's soccer team nationally, was considered, with their record being much much worse.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So and so
1: you're it, saying like the, the the rules rules the standards set for like a rec league are getting applied to these very professional women. Yeah. just because that's an interesting way to and say it and it's not it. even yeah. a
0: matter of like them being like that the most frustrating thing about this is that it's not uh quality of team that dictates right. the the it's not that they're bad and uh, i mean like one could argue um that the WNBA is a different uh caliber of sport than the NBA no, I'm not I'm not making that argument. I don't think that's a strong argument. But that is like, an
2: argument that, that's made in soccer, yeah, too, though. Yeah. Of, like, the men's team doesn't do well, but it's men's soccer, which is, you know, the list of faster-paced whatever. Yeah. And because men's bodies are different. Yeah. And so this, the game looks a little bit different when your physiology is different and how you play it. Absolutely. Sure, but, I mean,
1: like, it's the same rules, right? Like, yeah, I do yeah. soccer yeah, at all. It's, but, it's, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not and, like, softball it is, and baseball. Yeah. Where but that comes same,
2: up, yeah. like, hockey in the Olympics, the women's team is fantastic. No kidding. And, like... In the Olympics, there are similar rules of like you're not going to break out into fights anyway and things right. like that on either team, but there's still consistently this tiered distinction on that.
0: Well, and and throughout history, women have been brought into things in ways that that felt as though they were concessions. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we will, sure, we'll let you do that if you want to. But this is the real. It's not going to be right. the real thing. We will not let you do it with us. And so, like, every time you read a story of a of a girl who is on uh, a boy's football team in high school, it's never expected. Like, the, the insinuation is never, we've done it. Or she'll play in the NBA or the NFL sometime.
2: Yeah, I think there are some issues where it is. Oftentimes, I think that there are women. I mean, if you look at some of the special forces in the military and oh, things yeah. like that, that people have been like, oh my goodness, how did three women get in this or whatever news stories come out? But like there are women that absolutely could play in like NFL and yeah. those types of things. But there's something good to have when your physiology is more similar Mm -hmm. that the game is played slightly differently. And the problem is, though, that we look at that and say it's not played to the same level. And I don't actually think that's true. Like, when I watch... I prefer women's soccer over men's soccer. It's played differently, but a lot of it is more intricate in the way that it's played, and I like that more. Um, Part of it, too, is that I grew up playing soccer I learned how to play soccer when Mia Hamm was around and so like there's a lot of just idolization there (laughs) but like
0: so was that your sport was that where the Bentley came from
2: uh yeah, and I dropped out of soccer at one point in high school. It stopped being as fun. Um, that's the seven kicking in again. I love, the, con,
0: I love again. the verbiage "dropped out." I I've dropped never out. Heard yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I dropped it and picked up I got tennis just before which I, you
0: got graduation yeah. from soccer. Well, it was,
2: <laughs> but yeah, I picked up tennis, which I had never played before. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, soccer was my main one.
1: I'll just say I'm really glad that this is happening in the world of sports and not in the church.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes we have conversations that are good because they need unpacked a lot. And this is one that doesn't really need unpacked. So which is frustrating. And I think that that doesn't mean we can't have a good conversation about it. But mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of what we do a lot of I think the goal in this podcast is to process something that maybe you hadn't thought of comparing to before or process something that maybe you hadn't realized this. And this is something that I don't think anyone really is that shocked. That, oh, we treat women differently in this country. I mean, even like there are many people who don't think that that's okay, but it's not an issue that people are unaware of.
2: I think a lot of people would argue that it's not as blatant as it is. Yeah. Um, That like I think that you would have people that argue that's not in any way the reason for the different treatment with this and and that's true and like women's sports being different, those types of things, Um, and even in the church, like. Because you're allowed in. <laughs> it's mm, yeah. that, that mm. ought to be well, we fixed it. Yeah,
0: it's that concession.
2: And there's like one of the most insidious forms going back to Mia Ham. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the Mia Ham Michael Jordan commercials of like they played the anything you can do, I yeah, can do yeah, better yeah. song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um that's like I feel like soundtrack of part of my childhood that was I on so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh but like I think that one of the more insidious forms of it can be that women can be in this space, but they need to excel. And that's like, (laughs) and like the competition is not like to be good at this and to be up to par. It's that you must be better than all the men that could have had this position. What's like Danica Um,
0: Patrick was. So Danica Patrick was that racer. uh, Cause we're all big NASCAR fans, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So she was in the Indy 500 at first and then she switched over to NASCAR and it blew everybody's minds. I don't know that blew people's minds other than it made a lot of people mad. And um, she was never the best. And so people just discounted her as like, well, you got your place at the table. What do you want? And then there was a lot of people was like, see what happens like when they just can't compete. And then she was on all those GoDaddy commercials where she's walking around in a bikini all the time. And then that was (laughs) another element of it. That's a piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. She's only famous because she has been sexualized, uh, which is not the point that I'm making. But then it became this kind of really interesting question of like, is she famous because she is, she has become uh, objectified or is she famous because of her abilities? Or is she famous? But
2: you could say similar things about like a lot of people know Payne Manning more from his commercials yeah. than yeah. from his being huge farm, football so good. fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe would, not sexualized yeah. for
0: those. No, he hasn't, hasn't. No, I don't think anyone would sexualize Payne <laughs> Manning.
1: <laughs> no one? Anyone? No, anyone want to no, call? No. Call in now to our he's live like studio. A, he's, like a,
0: he's like a giant horse. <laughs> Like the best you can say is like, wow, look at him go. That's accurate. Yeah. yeah. So one thing I do want to put in here, uh, I have a big issue with daddy-daughter dances. Oh. Um, And uh, so you don't have any daughters, so you're not going to encounter the daddy-daughter dance. Uh, There's a daddy in your family who has Mm -hmm. a daughter. I don't know if you've encountered this yet or you may. No, we haven't. We haven't. And the thing that I love about our district, I'm very anti-daddy-daughter dance. Yeah, it's just But that is not uh, a popular opinion within the... Culture, even in the more progressive friends that I have, they're still all all in for the daddy daughter dance, hmm. and especially when I lived in the South, it was like cotillion style, like it was re- it was the biggest deal, and they're like, oh, well, I'm going on, they're effectively going on a date with their daughter, yeah, and like teaching them what a man should do. It's like one, there's so many things wrong with that statement because you're <laughs> you're teaching them one this idealized version of a man which you are not. You yeah. do not do this to your to your wife or to other people, and if you do, you don't. You shouldn't infantilize them the way that you're doing this with your daughter. And two, you're also giving them a role of saying that someone should, like, I am. Your role is to be a princess to have someone care for you and do everything for you and just respect you because of like this status that you have, this fragile thing that needs to be protected. And it uh, drives me crazy. Uh, but my district does instead of a daddy daughter dance to do a someone special dance. And hmm. so you just invite someone special. That's cute. And at first, my kids invited us. And then the next week, they invited grandparents. And the next week, they, the next year, they invited um, aunts and uncles. And like my son asked his uncle to go to the dance <laughs> with him. And nice. my daughter invited her aunt to go. And it's like, because that's just someone special. Mm-hmm. It's not a date. Like right.
2: these are like. It's also this weirdness of. Putting like romanticizing yes. and yeah. even oh, getting too close to sexualizing kids it's disgusting. is a huge That's it's just issue. That's why I say it's
1: creepy. I mean, the opinion, number yeah. of
2: people that I've had to shut down, like jokes about like Junior having little boyfriends and stuff, I'm like, nope, she's four. Yeah. Like, nobody yeah. has boyfriends. She is friends
0: yeah. with yeah. kids. Like, yeah. my oldest, I don't know
2: why we have to be so weird. Yeah, my <laughs> but,
0: oldest is nine and we still don't even joke about the boyfriend girlfriend thing mm-hmm. because, like,
2: you're,
0: I mean, he's at the point, like, where he, he notices obviously differences of boys and girls and like notices that they're different. And he understands romance and the idea that, uh, that in general, the, the cultural norm is that you are attracted to a boy or a girl. And then you, you form that relationship, but he's nine. I mean, like he may start feeling attraction towards people, but even that is, and in it's infancy mm-hmm. like to start saying like, who's your girlfriend or who's like, Oh, are you interested in that? Like, no, that doesn't, that's just such a stupid thing to put on a kid. Not even because we we want to create this binary system, but they're just not even part of that system at all yeah. yet. Like, that's it's just such a on weird, their mind. yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think that's where, I mean, speaking of the complexity, so much of this is, like, you have the structure of... Patriarchy and misogyny that are kind of this hierarchy that's been built into so many of our systems, and just as a national culture that we're trying to break down and change. But then we're also incredibly sexualized as a yes, culture no oh, and man. like incredibly heteronormative about that. And so, even if you can get past some of the things with like our structures, keeping women out and like move toward empowerment, and those things. There's still these major issues that you see with Me Too and Church Too movement and, I mean, and smaller scale versions of that where relationships are viewed sexually if they're different gendered. And like that's something that is a it's this intersection of issues that we have as a culture.
0: Yeah. Well, and even to the degree that we don't know, uh, and I have several friends uh, in particular uh, who are women in ministry who are single. And the Mm -hmm. church, one, does not know what to do with single people in the church. Uh, And uh, so to be a pastor and to be single, like just the struggle there, like not only does the church not know what to do with you and to be a pastor who's a woman who's single, they barely know what to do with you as a woman pastor. They really can't handle you being single. And they Mm -hmm. can't imagine like what, like, because we need to sexualize you, even if it's within the 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 chaste or the or the the uh the 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 safe confines of marriage and and heteronormative uh like fidelity uh relationships and that just like our inability to deal with people who are single uh is like especially a single man we just assume that oh well then they must be something that we shouldn't let our kids around them like they they can't Mm. volunteer at vbs because they're they they clearly are sexualized in some way and they can't find a way to manifest it within the normal realm of of society so there must be something wrong with them and that uh that level is just it's more than than i think we can handle yeah
2: yeah i think one of the big problems is like we group almost like that men have this exact type of religion women don't there's almost these rings of like there's some concept of ideal man that we think ought to be leading ought to be the head of whatever and that's like a white guy who's 6'2 who has like two children that are both boys that like whatever the list went to like ivy leagues it's what we think of for presidents too like those types of things and the further you get from that ideal the more people have to kind of adjust and like typically don't because you're not hitting that and so like i know with preaching almost every time i preach at church i have oftentimes women sometimes it's men will come up afterwards and like say that it was a really good sermon whatever engage a little bit of it and each time there's always this like you're one of the only women that i like to hear preach Ooh. And a huge mm. part of that is that there's an expectation as to what your voice sounds like, yeah. what your stature is. Um, I got feedback back in seminary when I was pregnant that it was distracting during a that homiletics class. That I was oh, Because I was telling a story about time before I was pregnant, and my body would look different when that <laughs> story happened. And so, like, there's, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what? I can't imagine you not pregnant.
1: Could you just tell a story about being pregnant? I know. I was I like, right
2: have you ever heard an older guy tell a story about, like, when he was a kid. When he was not old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Please, please, for the love of everything holy, tell me that was a student that made that... Yes. Con- okay.
2: Yes. And Lisa Thompson, who's the best homilex professor, yeah. like railed and kind of did like a basically none of you hit the ideal of what people think of when they think of a preacher and you're nice. going to have to deal with that. Take like,
0: <laughs> take that, everybody. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I do think like that's in a number of realms that there is this idealized version that is whiteness that is maleness that is cisgenderness like whatever you want to throw in their straightness all of those things that as you get further from that i ideal yeah
1: yeah i, I asked this question from a place of privilege in that i am a white male who's almost six foot with two kids and like, like i am <laughs> Other than I'm a little oh, shoot, out of shape.
2: Oh, you're the two boys too.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, um, you, you just described Jason Fryer, right? <laughs> Whether you realize it or not. Well, and that's—I don't make light of that. Like, I am a lot of—I am the vision that a lot of people have when it comes to like what leaders should look like. Um, so, like, I don't know what it's like to not have that image. So, like, how much of that is front of mind to you? Like, when you step into a pulpit, when you are leading a small group, when you're in a different church setting, like, is that constantly there?
2: um not constantly i am often surprised when something doesn't come up about mm. my appearance afterwards though like yeah. cuz that hap- like a lot of the time nobody says anything and that's fine i i think the thing that's been tricky most recently that's more front of mind for me is how differently I've begun to be treated by men that are around because they're mm. so freaking scared right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like, and there's a part of that I'm like, good, you should be scared, yeah. and if you <laughs> thought that you might accidentally grope someone, yeah. you shouldn't oh, like, that's you know, that, um, that conversation. But, but there is like, I think a lot of those comments have stopped because men have realized of like, uh, yeah, women have an issue with this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but well, shockingly,
1: I, the whole thing is so messed up. I'm gonna speak for men for just a hot second. <laughs> When the Kavanaugh thing was going on, and people were like, Well, he was in high school. What high school boy didn't do that? Oh, jeez. Every yeah. time someone oh, said most, that. Most high school boys was didn't like, do that. I didn't do that. Like, yeah. wait, 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 and nor wait, wait. would I
0: even think about doing right that. so like yeah. let's
1: calm down here people like uh oh, it's me. like no, that's like the when they
0: say with trump it's like oh that's locker room talk
1: no it's not no, it's not i've been in a lot of locker yeah. rooms
0: and i've heard people talk like that but no one liked them and no one accepted that like no. just because people it's like how people dismiss racism and stuff like that right i think that one thing that is worth uh bringing us into pop culture and reality and just something nice <laughs> in this is you should look up uh, there's a meme right now about keanu reeves everybody's favorite current star oh my gosh uh, <laughs> about how keanu reeves is so uh it's it's something like. Like Keanu Reeves is such so respectful of women that he doesn't even touch them in in pictures. Oh yeah, I saw his hand. He has his hand and it's very clearly like pointed out. Like so, kind of (laughs) normally where like it. Think of Keanu Reeves taking pictures with fans, and normally you like put your arms out and kind of make them curl in. Yeah. Like I'm shaping, I'm making my arms into a the number three that's on its (laughs) side, and so then you fit into those spots. He then flips his hands out. That's incredible. So he's like he just did a magic trick, (laughs) and then you stand in there, and so and it's adorable. How it's not like, oh, no, I don't want someone to sue me. It's I am very aware of this space. Yeah. And I know that part of the I don't want to seem like tightened in. So I am going to open myself up to you so that you can have this fan experience. But I'm also going to respect your space that I'm making Mm -hmm. it very clear that I'm not putting my hands on you or doing anything like that. I think he will accept a hug, but he doesn't. He's it's very, very interesting to see how to navigate that in a way that doesn't. It didn't feel like that kind of experience, at least to me. Uh, a white cisgender male uh, <laughs> that, but it didn't feel like he was uh just trying to protect himself it felt like mm-hmm. he was respecting people's yeah. space which is a unique thing yeah. um, and and how to how to navigate that
1: so so is it more guys are trying to protect themselves in terms of the harassment issue or even like there are a healthy number of women running for president right now do do you get a sense from dudes that power is being lost or do you even get that when mm-hmm. you're in the church like this thing that was so for so long dominated by white male presence all of a sudden whoa we had a black president and now a whole bunch of women are running and oh my gosh there's like a black woman running for president like
2: I think th- that'll be interesting as the as the election goes on because I haven't gone so much with that but I mean, when clinton was running the like there's just something i can't quite put my finger on and like i understand flawed candidate a lot of ways but i was like that thing you can't put your finger on is probably your sexism yeah. <laughs> like the just the way that that panned out um and a lot but, of times too yeah. i think
0: it's like people like
2: well, I mean, she's
0: a woman, but it can't be that like, cause I'm not yeah, that. Right. So it must be something else. Like it's, it's our mm-hmm. inability to deal with our own sexism. I'm right. um, similar things and with I Obama. See it, when honestly, people Like like it's that the latent racism that people had against right. Obama. They didn't want to admit their racism. There's those, I don't know. I just feel like he's just not ready for it yet or something like mm-hmm. kind of coming up with any other excuse to not address that.
2: Right. And I feel within the church, what's been interesting is that I feel like I experience that more with older women.
3: Mm. Um,
2: which I think for older men, they just don't talk to me. That might be what it is. Um, but that there can be almost a sense of, like, they feel a loss that their husbands feel yeah. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of more what I hear. And I'm the only woman on st- Like, I've been the only woman pastor on staff at yeah. a lot of different places. And, like, so there's women tend to talk to me more than yeah. the men do. But Do
0: you ever get yeah. the sense of resentment? That like hmm. they would, they wish they could have done that, but since they couldn't,
2: it's possible they don't
0: want others to do that too. Yeah,
2: yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of the student loan thing that is going yeah. on with yeah. like paying off pay students loans of yeah. like you haven't paid your dues, you're asking too much. Yeah, there can be that. I think that um, one of the biggest things that I've experienced too is that I will be the only person that repeatedly brings up certain themes of scripture that brings mm-hmm. up certain script. Like I love marry the mother of Jesus and actually talk about her and things I don't hear that from other male pastors that I'm around like yeah. absolutely could be a whole lot yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing a little bit differently yeah but it's it's a tricky thing because I feel like it is so under the surface in what I experience more than anything that a lot of the times I'm like was that was that something that came out of because I'm a woman, or is that something that you're just being standoffish? Like, it can be really hard to navigate. And there's so much almost like gaslighting myself of being like, oh, it must have not been that big of a deal. Yeah. And it'll be interesting when my husband's with me and yeah. pr- things happen. Like, I've, there is um, a particular thing that happened at a community event that I was like kind of scolded for not being whenever I ask about something I was scolded by a guy that I didn't like introduce myself and say hello and wasn't like nice enough to him at uh, <sighs> first and so he was like let's try this again <laughs> and like had that kind of tone and wow. As soon as my husband came up, he knew my husband, and he was like, oh, you're with him, and then was, like, really cool with me the rest of the time, and Ed later, he's like, that was not just about, like, you, like, I've seen him treat men very, very differently, Yeah. and, like, and, but in my mind, I was like, oh, it must have just been, I was being, like, really, you know, rude to him, or I was, like, really kind of flustered about stuff, and he took it the wrong way, but also felt like you were putting me in my place, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah.
1: So so longtime listeners to the podcast like yourself know that I have like Superman complex for a lot of reasons. <laughs> and like when this conversation comes up, my inclination is to like run in and fix it. And mm-hmm. like and and then that the misogyny of that catches up to me. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like it's not my job to rush in and like come to the damsel in distress's aid. Yeah.
0: That's also part of the nine tendency. Right. Is like the any running nine up, fix to, to fix everything. Yeah.
1: But but so I, I guess my question that is especially as a white male pastor who does think that women not only have a place at the table, like that conversation, I need to hear good sermons about Mary, mother of Jesus. Like oh, I yeah. need that com- that voice in the conversation.
0: And from <laughs> a female voice, too, yes. because to hear a man talk about Mary the mother of Jesus We've had mothers, but we don't have the same yeah. experience. And can no, I just yeah.
2: contend that I'm convinced that every single Easter sermon should be preached by women? No yes. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, oh my gosh. All the whole... gospels
0: are preached by women at that point? Like, yeah. that story is told by the it women. It is yeah. an
2: insane thing to me that there are very, very few women that get to preach Easter yeah. services because they're usually not the head pastor.
0: Yeah. I've always struggled with, uh, I think that, that um, one, this conversation could go so much deeper, and uh, Bentley, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit. That it's not just about men versus women. That there, and this is, I think, why the, the church struggles hard enough right now, trying to to uh, find equal places for men and women, and then put on top of that mm-hmm. uh, transgender folks and, and gender fluidity. Like, what to do with even that? I think yeah. that's the church. Uh, I mean, our, our society is struggling with that, but our, the church is really struggling with that because we barely know how, what to do with mm-hmm. men and women and to, to to make that into a spectrum instead of a binary right. system. Like, the, the church does not know how to process that. And it's it's such a... uh For people who've grown up in the church, too, and had, like, whether or not we realize it, uh, we have certain expectations of what the roles are of different people in the church. Yeah. And uh, to... To adjust that to make room for um, people of the opposite gender to do that is a big enough struggle, but then to find places for someone who doesn't identify clearly on yeah. one of those ends of the spectrum is is a real interesting challenge.
2: Right. And we do we partition the spaces, um, the men's breakfast and women's oh, yeah. luncheon and like those type of things that tend to be sacred within church structures and in thinking this is a way that we give equal space and voice but one of the big issues even without taking into account the fluidity which we should start taking into account but like men then are not hearing women's voices in their most like in within places of actual vulnerability yeah and that's i think a huge problem because women are hearing the voices everywhere and then have a few spaces that they don't um but then you also have that people don't have a spot that they fit and so the message is you're just not a part of this yeah and yeah and so to just be like and then we're gonna have one that's like co-ed and everybody can come to and problem solved it's kind of that like we made the space and now we're done. And yeah. I think there's a lot more that we're, we ought to be doing.
0: Well, and even in the history of the church, Presbyterian Women, which is a, is a big uh, organization in many churches, mm-hmm. was started exclusively because women were not given a voice of leadership in the church right. and they weren't allowed to be ordained. So it was started like a hundred years ago by women who were instrumental in the the mission aspect of the church was right. carried out by women. Uh, but they were not given agency within the church, so they just created their own yeah. agency called. Presbytery and that's why Women. like
2: the men's groups remind me of like Boston Street Pride Parade that's yeah. happening yeah. sometimes. Like I, yeah.
1: I will I will push back a little on that only because Westminster has a men's group that I think is really valuable in that. It's a vulnerable space that men don't often give themselves.
0: But more often, it's, um, they become that they necess- a lot of oh, yeah. a lot of places they weren't started. They were just started as a breakfast group or right. just as a thing, like it, like the Elks Club at the church. Right. If your yeah. if
1: your men's group is just getting around to sit around and talk about golf or yeah. or basketball or something, then yeah, that's a problem.
0: Or it doubles as the buildings and grounds
1: committee. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I think it would be good, and this will take a lot of groundwork. I don't think that we're there, but to be able to build to the point that you can have vulnerability across gender. Oh, sure. Would be good. Sure. And like I understand that we are not there and it's like a form of gender blindness, which is not helpful. Um but yeah, that's
0: the other big thing that I I would put in this is that the and this is what makes it so much more complicated, is that it's not just an easy answer, which is like stop being racist. Right. (laughs) Stop being sexist. Like that. Yeah. Like it, it no problem is that easy. Right. And the hard thing about this is that there are there are beautiful there's beauty in the differences. And there's beauty in the fact that women can bear children and men cannot. And there's something, but di- and there's a difference in the way that I relate to my kids than the way my wife relates to our kids. Mm-hmm. And we both love them, and we both try to 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 create equality in terms of how we how we parent them. But we are different people, mm-hmm. and we have different roles in that place to a degree. Now that's not to to completely traditionalize it and say the daddy does the work and the mommy does the dishes. right? <laughs> it's not none of that stuff, but. To recognize that it's okay that we come, we bring different things to this right. table. Right. That it's not a, it's not inherently a bad thing that there is a women's league for soccer. Because yeah. like you said, it's a different game.
2: And you don't want to have a different, like just form another ideal that people have to assimilate yeah. to. Yeah. Like that's also really unhelpful. Um, and so we're, yeah. yeah,
0: we're not trying to eliminate the distinctions of men and women or even the fluidity between men and women. Like right. the, the, those things are important for us to, to highlight, but we can't view one as the ideal over and above. And especially when we use those differences to limit someone, that's where, uh, that becomes this major issue. Well,
1: man, that's where yeah, I was thinking when you were talking about the fluidity and the transgender conversation, which you're right. The church has barely got its arms around. Um, this is where we end on so many podcasts. Like it's complicated. Yeah. And the people that are doing it wrong are the ones that say, No, it's not. Look, it's not. (laughs) It's this and it's this. And it's like, no, it's complicated. And if you're not willing to dive into the complication and own your own missteps in it. Right. And that's a big piece for me is like, man, I, I've been feeding into a system that's been bad for a long time. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and to, to know that and to name that, um, but then it worked to say like, well, okay, let's dive into the complexity a little bit and and ask some tough questions. Um, right,
2: and I think there's something where it's like the first step of that is to understand your own power if you <laughs> have it and what that looks like, and then to be able to start handing it off and handing over platforms. And if it's not handing over platforms, then finding other ways to dismantle whatever those structures are like. I th- One of my first weeks um, at the church I'm currently at, which I don't want to throw under the bus, they're great. Um, but I sat behind a pastor who I really love and respect, who's quoting John Piper, and like, which was very weird because his theology doesn't match up with that. Yeah. But, but it was like a particular quote where it was like, "This is good. I don't love the rest of what he does," type of a thing. And I was sitting there, I'm like, if I were someone who was non-white and you were quoting a white supremacist, like this is this is kind of similar where like you're quoting someone who is outwardly misogynist and uses theology to prop that up and like I think just being those types of things are very simple to be aware of of like whenever I have a platform am I only then in what I'm saying, bringing male voices and white voices into it? Or am I actually trying to listen and learn from other people? And when I can, am I handing the mic off to them? Um, Because there's not like what me sitting here, I'm not going to be able to be like, this is what all women want and think and want to have happen. And so it's like to be able to have the variety of voices is super, super important. And I think it's okay sometimes to then need to almost let the pendulum swing what can feel like too far so that you can find more of an equal balance.
0: So what are we supposed to do with this? I guess is the question. Like uh, I mean we are we obviously aren't solving anything. We've kind of brought it to light. What's the point in even talking about this?
2: Hmm. I think that more than anything that we need to one acknowledge that sexism still exists that the norm in almost I don't even want to say almost probably all of our institutions is still patriarchy is still the norm of men leading um, is still the norm of white supremacy. Like you can do all the intersections of these things. But since we're mostly talking about misogyny, we'll go with that one. Um, But like once you know about, I think that the work is really trying to Change it. And there are easy ways to do that. Of like, I think the biggest is if you have positions of power to be willing to kind of let your ego go a bit and allow other people that platform. And for yourself, like, look at who you're reading, what you're taking in, because I think that we're shaped and formed more than we realize by the voices that we hear the most, which the default that we hear the most is probably gotta be white guys, because that's that's who often gets the mic.
1: Not the fat white guys, just it, it's a lot of white guys.
2: Yes. Okay, just checking. <laughs> So yeah, I think those are the big things, because I think that we tend to stop by acknowledging and then not doing anything to change it in ourselves. And I think this is... I mean, this is a work in progress for me, too. There's a lot of internalized stuff. And it can be, like, the more, like, outward sexism that I don't think I've internalized as much. But the insidious, like, I need to be better than men to be in the room. Mm -hmm. Like, that type of hesitancy of being able to work through that, I think, matters for women, too.
0: First off, uh, uh, thank you to our special guest Bentley. Hey. Uh, so we are very excited about Bentley. I think uh, we should have you come back next week. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, I, I have a new rule that I haven't even run by Tyler for oh. when guests are on the on the pod. Yeah, but. 30 seconds, shameless self-promotion. Oh, yeah, I was going to say
0: that. Yeah, plug. What what do you want to
1: plug?
2: Oh, what do I want to plug? Um, So if you're in the Pittsburgh area and want to check out what Sanctuary is doing, we are meeting on the last Sunday of each month for Dinner Church. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the 30th is the next time we'll be meeting at Tree Pittsburgh. So it's in Upper Lawrenceville. They're a nonprofit. We also have a website. If you Google Sanctuary Faith Community Pittsburgh, It's sanctuarypgh.org. All of our stuff is on there. And uh, Aaron and I are starting a podcast as well. That's at least the plan. And it was like the classic millennial about, of like, we drank some wine on a porch and think we're really interesting. So yeah. we should probably put this to the world. That's, that's
0: how this started. Except it was Mountain Dew in front of video games.
2: <laughs> but yeah, our working name, which I don't see changing because we haven't come up with anything else, is you're a preacher? With a uh, question explanation like Or that. pastor. Yeah. You're a pastor. I just messed up the, the title. Tell, tell us,
0: give us a 30-second bio of Aaron just to...
2: Yeah, so Aaron Angeli is... Um, a presbyterian almost pastor she's, she's on track zeroing in on um, so she is also uh she's a pastoral resident of a church plant uh that's over in oakland so she's also kind of in this church startup world um aaron is one of my neighbors we went to seminary together we live down the street from each other uh She is married to her wife, Sarah, and has some really amazing thoughts on queer theology, on LGBTQ inclusion affirmation celebration in the church, which we'll get into on it. Um, An all around just awesome person way more outgoing than anyone I've ever met and she's also midwestern she's from like upper peninsula of Michigan and Ooh, so like
0: wait that's like way oh yeah
2: she's like was it youper
0: yeah Upers. yeah <laughs> youpers, youpers is that's so the youpers are akin to like people who live in the Florida Keys like it's not really part of America yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's so, yeah. you can get. but
2: it's the best because like she can come at you with like what would be controversial but she's gonna say it in the nicest Midwestern way that it's just like the most approachable thing ever so yeah we're planning to do a few fun things with that like we're Going to be mostly focusing on women in ministry and what that looks like, and some of the unique challenges with that. Um, I'm probably gonna complain a lot about not having pockets in my dress clothes. Oh yeah, um, yes. but that's a
1: thing. Yeah, yeah. it
2: is. Make any sense. Um, but also we're planning to do a couple segments. One of the ones uh, we're we're gonna do some interviews. Uh, we're planning to do a game every once in a while where we match up a passage from the lectionary with just a random pop culture or, like, what's happening right now in the news thing and try to do, like, a three-minute sermon out of it. Oh, I like that. We're going to be doing some, like... But, yeah, I think our... We have a bunch of ideas for topics, but I think we're starting, like, I'm currently pregnant and have a small child, and had that child during seminary and so we're going to be talking a little bit about what it's like to be a woman in ministry with kids, young kids and to be pregnant and in ministry and up front it's a unique experience. Yeah. Um, and Aaron's going to talk uh, definitely about what it's like being a woman who is gay in the church and as a pastor and going I'm, through all that.
1: I'm more excited for your podcast than I am for ours. Yeah. That's just blatantly <laughs> true. Exciting. That's Do you have great. an
0: idea when you're going to come out?
2: Um, We're hopefully recording something next week okay. and then we gotta figure out all how to do this i
0: think i think <laughs> our first episode was recorded a month and a half before it actually came that's out That's so, so true that's about you issue yeah so it should be coming out yeah. in november <laughs>
3: we'll
2: yeah it's gonna come out right whenever i go on maternity leave It'll be nice. <laughs>
3: nice
1: when you get time to time to look at that stuff because maternity leave is just like vacation right yes yeah,
2: yeah that's what i've been told <laughs>
1: get on rough the pastor on twitter because twitter usernames are lame yep not quite as bad as cool one but rough yeah. the pastor AM. you can also
0: uh get on aim and uh <laughs> and message cool pastor k-e-w-l the no, cool yeah. one. K- Oh, yeah, you should cool be cool one. pastor i don't think i will be uh with a z p-a-z-t-o-r <laughs> so you can yeah you can you can you can uh im us at uh K-E-W-L-D-O-
1: O-N-E, yeah.
0: Or Gamera, G-A-M-E-R-A, 311.
1: I'm going to turn my Twitter account as <laughs> 90s AOL and Sylvester as possible this week.
0: Oh, man, that would be so good. That would be good. You should change just your name to Cool Pastor from Viking Viking, because oh, you can change without yeah. changing your, mm-hmm. your tag. Yeah. yeah. And I'll change mine to 3-Gamera three, 311. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> or Ewok Inflation. I do like Ewok Inflation. But.
1: Oh, man. I got a good question uh, for, for the Twitter machine. Yeah. What are your favorite... Non-white male voices. Ooh, theology, Wait, culture. Non-white, non-male.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Not. Yeah. Not. Not like Tay Diggs. He's my favorite non-male, <laughs> non-white male voice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. No. No. Yeah. What? What? Who are the people on the margins that you most like to listen to? Whether that's theology, uh, just writing in general, art, culture. Who are you listening to? And that that's really on to something,
0: right? Now. All right. Uh, I don't. Is there anything? I haven't seen I almost uh, called him Dumbledore I couldn't remember his name uh, Bartleby <laughs> Bartleby That Who might be
1: Bartleby? why he hates us so much
0: Oh So Formal of you To To say hello to our guest Bartleby Thank you for doing that Do you have anything for us today?
1: I don't think so Another flawless. success I know we
0: really nailed it on this one. Yeah, I think it's because of our guest. We were either upped our game, or she kept us honest. So yeah, right. <laughs> that works really well. Thanks, Bentley. No
2: facts you on know, this no entire facts.
0: podcast. That's how we did it. It is all opinion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you straight can't. opinion. So I'm going to say something uh, just to just a fact to throw it to include facts. Yeah. Um, in
1: in 1492,
0: uh, Columbus sailed. The ocean. Bread. Oh man, I don't want to talk about Christopher Columbus. Oh, oh Bag of thing. worms. <laughs> All right. Columbus never got to America. Let's say that. There hey. go. There's your fact. Columbus is a terrible person.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So that being said, I've been Tyler.
1: I've been Jay.
2: I've been Laura. All right. Oh, what?
1: Yeah. Oh, wait. I've Bentley? been Tyler. I'm Jay.
2: I'm Laura Bentley. Yeah. Who am I? <laughs> I don't know who I am. I forgot how I was introduced. Uh,
0: this is running the faster
1: we did
2: it that's the one to go with for sure
1: yeah (laughs)